vine, and my father is the farmer. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already pruned clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. As the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who remains in me, and I in him, the same bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If a man doesn't remain in me, he is thrown out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it will be done for you. In this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. Even as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have spoken these things to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another even as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his Lord does. But I have called you friends, for everything that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you will ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I command these things to you, that you may love one another. How amazing is it that those of us who were once not part of the vine get to become part of the vine? One of the questions that pastors get asked a lot is, has to do more with the second part of that, uh, of, the, of the vines and branches parable, the part about being cut off from the vine. I mean, how could a good God ever separate himself from his own creation? We look at scripture and time and time again it, we read about God's love for us, right? John three sixteen and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it goes on in 17, he sent his son into the world not to condemn the world but that through him the world might be saved. This is the kind of love that God has for us. It, it's an eternal love. It's a sacrificial love. He loves us completely. And he wants everybody to be saved. So how do you reconcile that with you're going to be cut off? In 1 Timothy chapter 2, he, he says, I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. So I pray that we're praying for our leaders, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Catch this. Who wants all people to be saved all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth so this God loves us so much that he gave himself for us and he wants everyone to be saved so we have this interesting Christian conundrum right of well how do you reconcile that with 
with being cut off from the vine. And what that requires of us is to honestly and at depth address the concept of choice. You know, it, oftentimes there, there are theologies out there that, that are different from Methodist theology and uh, Calvinism, for example, which says that um, predestination is, is key and that the elect are already chosen by God. God already has chosen those folks. And if you're just not part of that group, I'm sorry. Um, we don't believe that in Wesleyan theology. I certainly, as you can tell by my sarcasm, <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't believe that at all. It doesn't match to me with, with a God who in the Old Testament is chasing the Israelites constantly, saying, come back to me, come back to me. And yet they choose to go another way, and, he, and, and yet God is still in pursuit. And we see it throughout Scripture in the New Testament. God is still in pursuit of us. He wants to be in relationship with us. So what is it? you know, uh, about this idea of choice. If, and, and here's what I, what I think it is. If we are to choose God, I mean to really be able to choose God, that means that we have to be able to not choose God. If we're going to be able to choose God, then we have to be able to not choose God, which means that if free will actually does exist, then there has to be more than just good there has to be bad and evil. Otherwise, there is no choice. To only have one thing to choose is not choice. And the powerful thing here is that the one who has all power, God himself, has chosen to give us that power when it comes to choosing him or not choosing him. He gives us the ability to be part of the vine. Will I be part of the vine? And to answer that question, yes or no. It's up to us. It's up to you. It's up to me. And I think it does break God's heart when we say no. I think that it breaks God's heart that the world is filled with such evil and brokenness. The original creation didn't have those things, and then there was this tree in the middle of the garden, right? I only have one rule for you. Just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, of course, being human, we... I wonder why he made that rule. I don't know. It looks pretty tasty. Let's call it apple. I don't know why we made it an apple. It's, we don't really know what it was. But we did choose to take the fruit, take the bite, and sin entered into the world in that moment. And that's what we have to deal with today is, is that choice has brought so many things into the world, bad things and evil things. But it comes from the same place. If you're going to choose God, then you have to be able to not choose God. And, and regardless of what Kirk Cameron might say in an airport as he's traveling about how, you know, the hurricanes and stuff are, are from God and are, you know, evil is in the, in the world and those are a judgment because I don't buy that. Does God use hurricane? Y yes. You see that in Scripture. 
because the world is fallen, we have hurricanes, we have earthquakes, we have fires, we have people who make choices that are evil, which impact us. We have addiction in the world that comes from the, the original place of sin. We have all of these things that have entered into the world, and, and, and they came from choices. There's temptation, and each of us is going to have to face our own temptations. It's going to happen, and we'll face that choice point, right? We're going to face that choice point. What, are, what am I going to do in the middle of this trial? What, anybody in here in a trial? A temptation? Yeah. Yeah, there's stuff you can get. Wow, only one person in the whole room. <laughs> all right, well, never mind. This message is lost. <laughs> we are all going through something. Okay, let me reframe it. Anybody going through any stuff in their life today? <laughs> yes, we're all going through stuff. We all face these things, and we have to choose. Am I going to follow God's way, or am I going to follow my way? What am I going to do? Am I going to choose God? Or am I going to not choose God? The beauty of that is that it's up to us. We have been given that power. God didn't just tap us on the shoulder and say, I'm going to make you an automaton. You, get, you have really have choice. It's up to us. What are we going to do? Are we going to choose faith or are we going to choose doubt? What are we going to do? And sometimes scripture can even add to this conundrum, Right? Did you know that? That scripture's not always clear? Paul tells us that we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone can boast, right? Saved by grace through faith, not of works, so that nobody can boast about it. Let's put Paul over here. James says, faith without works is dead. What Paul say? We are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone can boast. James, faith without works is dead. Hmm. James even goes further when he talks about doubt. He he says, those who doubt are like the surf of the seas, tossed and turned by the wind. People like that should never imagine that they will receive anything from the Lord. They are double-minded, unstable in all their ways. Has anybody in here ever had a doubt about God? Tossed and turned by the sea, they should never imagine they will receive anything from the Lord. Uh-oh, we in trouble. But it doesn't end there, right? Because Thomas, you, you remember Thomas Didymus, Thomas the twin, also known as <laughs> Doubting Thomas. So Jesus comes back, and, and Thomas isn't there. And the disciples are all, I can only imagine that the disciples are really excited. You know, Thomas comes into the room, and they're like, Jesus came back. He rose from the dead. He, he's really here. And Thomas goes, that ain't real. Unless I can see the, the scars on his hands and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And, of course, what does Jesus do? Jesus shows up and says, all right, dude. And Thomas went, um, I really don't want to put my hand in your side. <laughs> 
Thomas said, Lord, my Lord. You know, and out of that we have, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. You know who that refers to? Everybody. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. What are we going to do with passages that do this, right? We got Paul over there. We got James over here. We got Jesus confusing things in the middle. Jesus isn't supposed to confuse things. Why, what's going on with that? Well, let me put in. Let, let me throw something else in here. Jacob. Jacob was wrestling with the angel of God. He was. He w- he was. He w- wanted this blessing that he. He said, "I am not going to let you go until I get my blessing." And God says. Your hip's out of joint. He said, I'm still not going to let you go <laughs> unless you give me your blessing. And he hung on. He wrestled for the blessing. He would not let go. How many of us wrestle for the blessing and don't let go? How many of us go, well, that's too hard. Yeah, I want that blessing, but I don't want it that bad. He wrestled. And what came of that? He, he got his name changed. He became Israel, the father of the 12 tribes. And he received his blessing because it's important to wrestle. It's important to be willing to wrestle with God and with the things of God. If we're going to get deep, then we're going to have to engage in, with God in such a way that we're going to have questions. Because if you don't have any questions and you're trying to figure out the creator of all things who has all knowledge and knows all stuff, you ain't trying hard enough. We have a finite brain, and he is infinite. If you don't have questions, you're not wrestling. Wrestle. I come from a, when I, I got saved a, in a high school basketball bleachers. And I started going to First Baptist Church. I'm not going to bash anybody. Um. Well, I guess maybe I am. <laughs> but I'm a Catholic Baptist Pentecostalist, so just so you know. Um, <laughs> this had to do with people in the church, not with that denomination. But I was in the church, and, and I, as you might be able to tell if you've been around for a little while, I have a lot of questions, you know. And so I'd go to the, with those questions, and you know what I would hear? The Bible says it. I believe it, that settles it. But what do you do with James and Paul? The Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. And I'm sitting here going, that don't settle nothing, that's confusing. The Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. And I don't see that in Scripture, and I don't see wrestling with God as a problem for God. God's big. God's smart, you may not know that, very intelligent, might even be the smartest being ever. (laughs) Just saying. God can handle more than what we think that God can handle sometimes, I think. But are we engaged with God in that way? Because we should be. We really should be willing to wrestle. See, because to reconcile these these things, to reconcile Paul and James and Jesus, it's going to require us to go in there and, and, and get muddy. 
We're going to have to do that because the truth is that we get in trouble because we pick and choose Scripture instead of seeing Scripture. If all I do is read Paul, then I get one viewpoint. If all I do is read James, I get another viewpoint. If all I do is read the Gospels, if all I do is read the Old Testament, if all I do is read one segment of Scripture, I don't have the picture that God is trying to get to me. Scripture is for us to wrestle with and engage with and learn from. These tenets are not mutually exclusive. That's the problem. We go, well, it's got to be either this or that. No, it's not. It's, gr- it's more grave than that. It's, Paul is absolutely right, absolutely on target when he says that we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone can boast, should boast. Our salvation is a gift. God gives us. Did you know that you cannot do enough, work hard enough, be smart enough, anything you can name enough to to match God and to to, to go to God's level? It won't happen. It can't happen. We're not able to do that. So we are saved by grace alone. Grace through faith. Not of works. Other religions, you earn your way. Ours? God came off the mountain and said, hey, I love you so much, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. You don't have to come to me. Saved by grace through faith, lest not of works, lest anyone could boast. James, I think Paul would agree with James. Because James saying that faith without works is dead, Paul throughout his letters is saying what you do matters. Don't follow the law anymore. Follow the law of the Spirit. Get your life in order. Follow where Jesus would have you. He died for you to open this door so you could live a new life, a fresh life. Walk into that. Live into that. That's, That's what Paul is saying. He wouldn't disagree with what James has. Paul wrote about, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, y'all familiar? Fruit of the Spirit, right? That, you know what that comes from? That comes from living the Christian life. How do you live the Christian life? It's based on your actions will yield the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, and self-control. Those things come out of living in such a way that you honor God. See, when we truly turn our hearts towards Jesus, we start wrestling for the good stuff instead of wrestling for the other stuff. Wrestle for the good stuff. From our passage in the beginning, a branch cannot produce fruit in itself, but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. You know what kind of fruit that is? Love. Peace. The stuff Paul talks about. Jesus says, you're going to yield much fruit. Paul says, here's what that fruit is, the Christian life. This is what it looks like. Now you're beginning to see things coming together. If you just read one or just read the other, you miss. We miss. I miss. Both Paul and James are pointing us towards faith. What James is talking about, when he's talking about living a life without doubt, he's saying you must be faithful. You must be faithful. What Paul says, when Paul says we're saved by grace through faith, he's saying you must be faithful. It's all about choosing faith 
over doubt. Will we have doubts? Yes. And Jesus showed up with grace to the disciple who happened to be hanging out with him for three years and still didn't believe the other disciples. And Jesus extends grace. What James is talking about is living a life of doubt. The Christian life is a life of faith. Will we have doubts in the midst of that life of faith? You, yeah, you better believe it. That's going to happen. Is our life a life of doubt? No, that's not the Christian life. Beginning to see these things blend together. I want to bring up a fourth guy. Peter. Because Peter kind of winds all these things together. Somewhere in here. This is from 1 Peter, chapter 1. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be blessed. He gives a blessing, an admonition, and a challenge to us in this passage. Beginning at verse 3. On account of his vast mercy, he has given us new birth. That new birth we're talking about. We live differently because we have a new birth, a new life. You've been born anew into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You have a pure and enduring inheritance that cannot perish. An inheritance that's presently kept safe in heaven for you. Through his faithfulness, you are guarded by God's power so that you can receive the salvation he is ready to reveal in the last time. You now rejoice in this hope. Now hear this. Even if it's necessary for you to be distressed for a short time, period of time by various trials. This is necessary so that your faith may be found genuine. Our time here on this earth, our, our primary task is to say yes to faith and to God or to say no to faith and to God. That's kind of this life. The next life, all this junk we deal with is wiped out. But in order to choose God, we have to have, a, have the opportunity to not choose God. Peter goes on, Your faith is more valuable than gold, which will be destroyed even though it is itself tested by fire. Your genuine faith will result in praise, glory, and honor for you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you've never seen him, you love him. Even though you don't see him now, you trust him and so rejoice with a glorious joy that's too much for words. You are receiving the goal of your faith, your salvation. Therefore, once you have your minds ready for action and you are thinking clearly, place your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Don't become conformed to your former desires, those that shaped you when you were ignorant, but as obedient children. What we do matters. Don't be conformed. But as, a, but, but as obedient children, you must be holy in every aspect of your lives. Just as the one who called you is holy, it is written, you will be holy because I am holy. What we do matters in this life. We get to choose. We get to choose God and faith or we get to, to say no to God. That's up to us. Each of us in this room has to make that determination. My prayer, 
My prayer is obviously that you choose God. Will you face trials? Yeah, you're going to go through some stuff. But you will never go through those things alone. Never. You'll have God with you always. But it's up to us. And the end, I'm going to close this message this morning with a video. It's, it's an old story. I mean, this choice has been around a long time. And it comes down to this. Will you feed the things that build you up? Or will you feed the things that tear you down? Father? Well, grandson, inside of each and every human being, a constant battle rages. It's a battle between two wolves. One of the wolves is evil. It's full of hate, lust, greed. His fangs drip with bitterness and strife. And the other wolf is a good wolf. And he's full of love and compassion and honesty. And he never betrays his brother. These two wolves are constantly at war. Grandfather, which wolf is going to win? Whichever one you feed. gives us that choice. As Pastor Mike said earlier, it's got to just break God's heart when we choose the evil one. But that doesn't mean he gives up on us. God wants us to want him as much as he wants us. And if you choose to follow him, you have made a wise choice. Not only does God give us free will, he gives us the ultimate freedom. We receive God's cleansing through the saving work of Jesus Christ. All the chains of our past and all the worries of our future can be taken away when we follow him. And as we said earlier this morning, there is victory in Jesus 
and we have been set free. So as I think you probably could get an idea that today's idea is to make the wise choice.
Y'all can have a seat. <laughs> 